Welcome back to the podcast for TMJ and Sleep Center with Dr. Insulara. I'm Randy Hawk, and let's do a quick review. We've identified that we've had symptoms. We've come in and had our consult at the TMJ and Sleep Center. Then we've had our evaluation and our treatment plan that was agreed upon. With the the TMJ exam. And now we've got our first, we've done the splint, we've done our our first orthotic, and we've followed all of the steps in in phase one of the first orthotic. And now... We're at that point where we're about to measure the results and look things over from phase one and see if it's time to go to phase two. Yeah, usually what happens in, in, in about four months, the posture has changed for the better. The symptomology is all but gone. And what we're doing the, in, in within four months is we usually will go to a second orthotic because we're uh, tweaking, if you will, the bite position because these muscles have all been changing. So... Uh, people are always kind of uh, uh, surprised when when they look at an orthotic, the second one especially, because it looks like the first, but when they put it in their mouth, it doesn't feel like the first because they're not the same person they were four months before because the integration of posture change and bite change has changed them. So uh, as they go along in that particular uh, venue, uh, we go over what we call phase two because we know that now that the jo- we know where the jaw position is, pretty close, we have to figure out how do we get the, optimize the jaw arches, upper and lower arches if needed, and how do we bring the teeth to the right position that's been established by the orthotic. In other words, the back teeth don't touch in phase one because phase one has brought the jaw down and forward somewhere in space, and the teeth, which were used to being too far up and too far back, and promoting that bite, which is not the good bite, uh, can't support the new bite. So that's what we do. Um, when I say erupt teeth, though, uh, people are looking at me like, what does that mean? Um, and it doesn't mean long teeth. It means we're literally building bone, and the bone cell is called an osteoblast, and the osteoblast gets activated by what we do with maybe rubber bands or even passively. Uh, when a tooth is left with a space, it will move into that space. And we can control that with elastic bands, with orthodontic wire, things like that, which will actually bring the teeth to the right place. But but there's no long teeth. Everything just comes up normally. And there's no way you can tell except that the teeth are at a different level. So if you look at the level that we're done with and the pri- the level you came in with, you'll see that these teeth are, have changed their, their height. Uh, so in that respect... When you are done at our office, you don't have to wear anything during the day, which is, of course, why people would go to phase two uh, to, to maintain their own teeth, the integrity of their own teeth, maintaining the, the right position for their, um, their bite. So That's interesting how the, the, the teeth and the jaw start to almost heal themselves. Is that a safe way well, to say it? Or, well, or with, the right, with the right positioning. <clears throat> They, they, they're in the, they're, in other words, if I asked you to bite after being in an orthotic or two orthotics, you probably wouldn't bite your old bite anymore because you wouldn't know where it was. So, but you would bite in the bite you would have if you had the orthotic in, call it like an as if bite. Yeah, um, and that bite is, is pretty much the bite that we want to restore you to. So uh, there's another way to go, and that's make a permanent orthotic so that you could wear something for the rest of your life if that's where you want to go. Most people don't do that, and that's why I've been doing this form of orthodontic therapy, oh, I don't know, 
probably since 1985, bringing teeth to the proper position once we've established the cure position, okay, where there's no symptoms anymore. So that's kind of cool. And that's really the quest of phase one and phase two is to find that cure position. Yeah. And so we don't want to, you can't hurry the body. So people sometimes, you know, think, well, how long is this going to take? Well, you know, if you've been in this position since age five and you're 25, 35, 45, 55, just think about it uh, in, in six to eight months, we've just rocked your world and changed your position and cured the problems you've, you've had forever. And now we're going to put your teeth to the right place. Uh, again, all this is painless. There's there's no problem with it except you've got to wear some stuff and you might have some rubber bands to put in. Um, but then in another six to eight months, maybe 10, I don't know, it just depends on the person, um, you'd be done and graduated from our TMJ Center. Well, there is less pain if you're somebody like me who bit the inside of your cheek or your lip well, that, yeah, okay. nine times a week and the, you're not doing that anymore. And, and I'll tell you what, when I first started, I used to bite the right side of my lip. It was the darndest thing. That's where uh, lower right yep. and then the side of my cheek yep. right here yeah. were my big problems. It was always, the, for me, the lower right. And then, of course, you bite it once and it swells a little, so you're apt to bite it again. So you have to be a little careful. Exactly. Yeah. Then, and it's worse when you bite it the second time. Like... Literally, you're like, <laughs> oh, no kidding. And I have all the sympathy in the world because uh, anything I've said to anybody here in this podcast, I've gone through myself. My son's gone through. My staff pretty much has gone through the same stuff. So we've all been through it. We all can be there for you. I think we're, we're a good office in that we understand our patients and what they have to go through because um, it is a journey. And, and, um, it's it's not it's not always smooth. It, well, it, it can't be really smooth because it's a transition and it's different. Now the end, <clears throat> excuse me the <clears throat> the end of the phase one first orthotic, the measurements and getting X rays again, very similar to when you got it in the first time. Pretty much because because I want to be able to um, not only understand the jaw position within the within the jaw socket because there there's definite improvement there, uh, but also we want to check out the postural position of your head over your spine. So forward head posture won't do, okay? Because forward head posture creates all kinds of instabilities that we don't want to have going into phase two. So we want to pretty much eliminate that and optimize the person posturally and optimize the person, of course, bite position. And like I said before, if you're bringing the lower teeth into the upper by eruption growth, growth of bone, bringing teeth up, um, you want the upper to be wider than the lower, okay? So you, the, the upper needs to be wider to accept the lower teeth. So that's optimization of the arches. And it goes, it goes back to something you said in one of the first podcasts. If you can measure it, yeah. you can fix it. Yeah, you can cure it. And the thing about optimization of an upper arch is it also optimizes your sinuses because right above your arch are your maxillary sinuses and... Right above your palate, which we're expanding, right through here is called the vomer. You might call it a deviated or a septum. And when you have a narrow palate, the septum always deviates. But when we start expanding, that changes the position a bit, and we create more flow through the face, uh, not just maxillary arch, uh, maxillary sinus, but also frontal sinuses, and these right by your eyes, ethmoidal sinus. So a lot of people, when they first come in, can think that they are having a sinus problem or sinus pain. And they are legitimately, but it's but it's because of TMJ, not because it, of the sinus. It's an effect. Yeah, it's not the problem; it's the effect. It, yeah, and and one of my patients a million years ago, and I never forgot it because it was so appropriate. 
she said it was like a raccoon mask of pressure. Ah, that and, is a good... And when we had cured her of that position, she felt that ra- raccoon mask of pressure lift off her face, which I thought was really... I could, I could see what she was talking about. It was really cool. That's, that's one of the things that over and over through this process, <laughs> I just keep going back to just how much is going on in that area. You know, people think about the rib cage and everything. You're like, our lungs are hard. Everything's right there. You you kind of know that's a busy area. You just don't think about that lower, your jaw area. And 5,000 times a day. Yeah. yeah. And, but here's the other thought that we mentioned before. That 5,000 times a day, if if it's not working properly, brings your head forward. And that does affect your heart and your lungs because... When your head is forward, you don't diaphragmatic breathe, belly breathe, you chest breathe, because you, you're in that forward position, you, you really can't advantageously breathe. So that takes your oxygen level down about 30% so from, from bad posture, with bad posture. And, and uh, uh, blocked airway. And, and of course, yeah, of course, Obstructed. the blocked airway. Yeah, so um, that's not what you want to be doing. Uh, and oh, the other thing, of course, is the more that forward head stays there and the more you're breathing to enforce it there, the more you're going to have lower back problems. And, and you could say from a jaw. Well, indirectly because it brought the head forward. Yeah, it's, it, it, it sets off the chain reaction that it, gives you lower back that's problems. A, that's a good way to say Yep, that's a good way to say it. So you do the measurements and you talked a little bit more about it, but I want to go into a, a, a little bit more... Uh, a little deeper dive into the difference between orthotic one and orthotic two. So okay. we make the measurements and then a new mold is made. Yes. A new, we always do new models. And then you always go back on the computer. Um, I'm always measuring because there's nothing, I, I don't leave anything to opinion. A, so we always measure. And the second bite position that's done after four months of, of the first bite position and the, and, the, and the posture that you've been doing over the, the first four months is always different. And, but it's always in a more um, uh, uh, proactive position. Well, not proactive. It's, it's, a, it's in a better position, better, uh, I mean, than when you first came because you've worked it. And because you've worked these muscles and you've worked your jaw, um, this position is more valid than the first one. Okay, and the symptomology that you have or the lack of symptomology that you have in, is, is striking because in four months, we should pretty much alleviate most, if not all, all your symptoms, if you're religiously following what we're t- saying. I was amazed at how fast I stopped biting the inside of my mouth. Because that was, and I didn't, until I talked to you the first time, I didn't know that, that all of that was tied in. I just thought I was a terrible eater, <laughs> you know? And then you made that very clear that, well, you didn't say I wasn't a terrible eater, but luckily you haven't seen me eat. But uh, the uh, the thing is, that was that was oddly enough one of the bigger changes in my life because constantly having some sort of a you know I don't know if trauma is overstating it but some sort of damage inside your mouth micro traumas is yeah. it makes don't eat that because it's going to sting you know don't eat oh. that because you're not going to chew it right like you're making regular everyday decisions based on that well my my you know it's funny because my brother brought this up. Uh, in, in our family, we have TMJ, and, and, and I saw it in my brothers, but I also saw it in my dad. And, um, and one of my, uh, my middle brothers said, well, don't you remember, Dad, every time at mealtime, he'd always choke at least once. Because, oh, because, wow. because he'd, he'd, he'd be eating, but his height, facial height, and, and the way he was recruiting his bite 
was was not right, um, and and that tightens up the throat and the hyoid bone that we were talking about. So that makes swallowing difficult. So if he overloaded himself by chewing that way, uh, he could choke. And he always choked at least once. Then he brought it up. I was like, well, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what Dad used to do. But Dad always had fo- he had forward head. He had neck pain. I remember he was in a back brace at one point because of all of this. Uh, and he used to get terrible, terrible frontal face headaches. Oh, yeah. Yep. See, that's one of the things. Like when you get to this phase of the treatment, hindsight becomes twenty twenty, like the old saying, right? I, you start to reverse engineer this thing yeah. and you figure out, oh. Go back to your families because you'll see things that even, even, the, even the physical therapist, uh, that uh, physical therapist that I deal with, the one in particular goes, well, you know, I always looked at strides and the way people move their arms and their legs. But she said, now... She said, I'm so alerted to this forward head posture and how it affects everything. So I thought that was kind of cool that she had the insight to say that. And we're going to have a lot of uh, micro videos and, and things on the uh, podcast resource page with, uh, that goes into further depth and takes a deeper dive into forward head and also the, uh, the, the splint and the uh, orthotics and things like that. Sure. Because it's it's... What I like about the process at the TMJ and Sleep Center is you spend a lot of time sitting in that room with drawings and x-rays x-rays and skeleton heads models. and models of, of bites and explaining, here's where you are, here's where it is. And even this is what it looked like before, this is what it looks like now. And I think it kind of goes back to your premise of if it can be measured, but you really start to visually see at this point yeah. things are headed in the right direction. Well, there's a lot of, I mean, I think maybe sometimes you, you've you overloaded the, the poor patient with a lot of information. So it's it's incumbent upon us to vi- revisit it during the visits. Every time you come in, we'll go over some stuff, you know, make sure you're up to snuff with what we told you before and where we might be going. And when we, particularly if we get that second orthotic, I want them to, to understand that we're now get, coming into that phase where, we want to discuss phase two, not just once or twice, but more than once or twice so that you're comfortable with what we're going to do when we do it because now you're stable enough to go that, to go that route. After the second orthotic. Right. Yeah. Uh, or even during because sometimes we'll start it even during the second orthotic uh, if, they're, if they're able to uh, do an upper expansion appliance possibly at the same time because we'll do that because now we know where to expand to. See? And- and it also gives you these types of, uh, at this point, it also gives you a good check-in on, you know, because you, 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 you <clears throat> excuse me, you laid out a clear treatment plan. Yeah. And now along the way, when you do those check-ins, like, here's where we are, here's where we are. And, and here's why we're doing what we're doing. And yep, this is, you know, you just have to kind of keep going over stuff and, and make sure they're, they're totally clear with it. And a lot of people are totally clear, but a lot of people still need a reassurance. And it's always, it's always, I have no problem with that um, because people know I like to talk. So, you know, and, and I do, and I, I, and I, I, I feel better when the patient understands everything or, is, or at least I feel they are understanding. And if they don't, they just, all they have to do is ask. And as the symptoms go away, you really start to feel, okay, now I now I know where I'm going. You know, this is a cool thing because it just happened yesterday. So I had a lady come in, and she brought one son is nine, one son is eight, and I had treated her ten years ago, and so she brought her two sons in because she thought she they should be looked at. They both have very deep bites. They both have some problems with swallow and chewing and 
neck issues and stuff like that. And so she said, you've done, you did so much for me. She said, I used to have the, what she called migraines. She says, I don't have any of that anymore and I'm feeling really good. And I don't want my sons to, you know, follow what, what went through with me. I want to make sure that they don't have that stuff. So I thought that was kind of cool because you can see it in families. Like I've been telling you, it's a genetic deal. These kind of bites are in families. They, they, um, they, they don't just uh, manifest, these, manifest themselves spontaneously. It's, it's a predisposition. So we'll, we'll, we'll clean those kids up. And a lot of times we'll clean them up and we won't need to put uh, braces on them. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but right. I'm saying we're going we're gonna to optimize their jaw position, which optimizes their growth, and it optimizes their head position, which helps with their posture and breathing. And you, and you have a very good camera angle, I feel, on braces. I think yeah. some people just think every kid, the minute they're born, they're going to need braces. Yeah. You look at that differently. Well, braces, look, braces involve teeth. Should you have braces? That's fine if your jaws line up right, if your posture is good, um, if your muscles are okay with it. Uh, that's just wonderful. Um, but um, in, our, in what, what I see, um, we have an optimized jaw position. We have an optimized arch width. We have an optimized posture yet. So I wouldn't use braces until all of that is done, and that's if it's still needed. And if it's needed, certainly it's a good idea. If it's not needed, well, wonderful. But at least the, the child is growing properly, straight, one shoulder's not higher, the head's not forward, and they won't have problems when they're adults that I see with the adults that come in with exactly that kind of problem because it's never been looked at. Well, that'll bring this episode of the TMJ and Sleep Center podcast to a close. Coming up <laughs> in future episodes, we're going to look at the physical therapy component, which yep. we know is a massive part of this that would be cool. and we're also going to hear some success stories from patients that would be yeah that we have we have some patients that uh, would like to talk that and, would be nice and i'm excited about that yeah i am too they're very nice people and um, i i'm also a huge believer in the physical therapy component so those are going to be exciting episodes i you deal with a lot of nice people and and um and when people don't have pain, that they're remarkably happier. <laughs> <laughs> that's really so that's cool. Yeah, you got a kinder disposition. <laughs> exactly. The dinner table is nicer when dad's not biting his lip. Well, and they're not complaining of a migraine or a neck pain or the whatever. Yeah. You know, it's when all dad's that, literally all not biting his lip. Not like holding back from talking, biting his lip, but physically biting his lip. <laughs> and providing a new vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, Doctor Slaughter. You're welcome. <laughs>